Who's ready for the word today? Woo! Man, you feel the Holy Spirit in this place? It's like a strong, man, like something's wound up and getting ready to just bust out here at any second. That might just be me, I don't know. Anyway, open up your Bibles to the book of Acts, if you have them with you today. Acts chapter 8. And I'm going to read this story. It's about 14 verses here, so bear with me. Um, But it's a great little story. I love this little story. And every time I read this story, I feel like I get something new out of it. Like God just shows me a new part, a new element, a new piece of revelation uh, that feeds my soul. And I've just recently kind of got something from this that I felt like the Lord said, you need to take this to the people. You know, I don't know if you know this, but like as a pastor, you're, I'm seeking God just to seek God all the time and just letting His Word feed me and fill me. But in terms of what I bring to the pulpit and what God wants me to speak corporately over the people, I look for direction. I look for a release. I look for something that is applicable to just kind of where we are right now. And the Holy Spirit knows that. I don't know that. So I listen for what He has to say. And then I trust that. And so this was a word that I just felt like, oh, like it just hit me like, oh, well, that's a timely word that we need right now. Okay, so we're going to go there today. All right, everybody okay with that? So Acts chapter 8, verse 26, let's begin. An angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Arise, go toward the south along the road which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is desert. So he arose and went. And behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who had charge of all of her treasury. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning. And sitting there in his chariot, he was reading Isaiah the prophet. And then the Spirit, so the Holy Spirit, said to Philip, Go near and overtake this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah and said, Do you understand what you're reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? And so, Philip, uh, and so he asked Philip to come up and sit with him. And then the place in scripture which he was reading was this. So this is out of Isaiah. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, as a lamb before its shearer is silent. And so he opened not his mouth, and his humiliation, his justice was taken away. Who will declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. And so the eunuch answered Philip and said, I ask you, of whom does the prophet say this, himself or some other man? So Philip opened his mouth and beginning at this scripture preached Jesus to him. So he preached the gospel. Now as they went down the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, see here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? And Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe Jesus Christ is the son of God. And he commanded that the chariot stand still. And both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water. He baptized him. And when they came out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught Philip away, so that the eunuch saw him no more. And he went on his way rejoicing. But Philip was later found at Azotus, and passing through, he preached in all the cities until he came to Caesarea. Hallelujah. Let's just pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we feel a strong 
anointing today, a strong presence of your spirit. God, I'm not real sure what you're doing right now, but I sense it's something big. And so we're just going to stand on the word of truth. We're going to stand on you, God, and trust that as long as we give you place, we know you're going to do exactly what you want to do here today. I ask that you just increase in me and that you just bring this word forth, Lord, powerfully and timely as you know, as I know you want to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. So, love this little story. Um, the Bible is filled with these kind of things, by the way. You know, you just read through the Bible and it's like one third of a, of a chapter. And it's just this powerful little story that's 14 verses. The Bible's filled with those kind of things. And you just be reading and come across a story and be like, boom, God just grab you and the spirit of God wants to say something to you you know and opening your eyes and giving you illumination and dropping revelation in your spirit to produce faith for something that's ahead God's so good like that he's so faithful like that he always knows what we need better than we know what we need so this is to me kind of like one of those stories that you just come across in the Bible and Philip we give you a little bit of a background on him, the main character in the story, but we also have this other character that's important, which is the eunuch. I'll talk about in a bit. But Philip is not, first of all, you got to know, he's not the same Philip that's one of the 12 apostles. When you read the Gospels and it lists 12 apostles, there is a guy named Philip that was one of those 12. This is not him. This is a different Philip. This is Philip that was a deacon. And if you read in Acts chapter 6, a couple of chapters earlier, you see that uh, Philip was one that was picked out of seven along with Stephen. I don't know if you remember a number of weeks ago I preached about Stephen that was martyred. And so they picked, the disciples picked seven men who were full of faith in the Holy Spirit to help them carry out the duties and responsibilities of the church, caring for the widows and orphans and taking care of things around the house. And so Philip was one of those guys. He was a deacon. But later, right before this story, earlier in chapter 8, we see that Philip was actually operating in a spirit of evangelism. He was preaching the word of God and he was doing that in the place of Samaria, which was where they had a lot of non-Jew, unbelieving people. And, uh, and so he was preaching the word in Samaria and it says that many people there heard the word of God, believed, so they, they got saved, they experienced salvation. It says they were baptized in water so there were miraculous things happening. There was even a sorcerer there who saw miracles that were happening by the hand of Philip. There were lame people being healed. Illnesses were being healed. Demons were being cast out. So this deacon, right, was operating in a spirit of evangelism. And these miracles were happening. And it says that when Pete, I think it was Peter and John heard about this, they wanted to come and see because they're like, wow, the Samaritans are, are hearing this. And so they came and what Peter and John ask him is, okay, you've, you've received the word of God, you've been saved, you have been baptized in water, but have you also been baptized in the Holy Spirit? And then they're like, we don't know what that is. And so Peter and John come along and then they prayed and they got baptized in the Holy Spirit. And so the power fell on them. So this is awesome things that are happening through Philip, right? And after this occurred in Samaria, they went down to Jerusalem and all along the way from Samaria to Jerusalem, they were evangelizing and ministering to people. And then they land in Jerusalem, which is kind of the hotbed, right? Like that's the main location for all that's happening and where this big movement is it's occurring in the Jew, Jewish nation around Christ and Him crucified. And so there's this ministry that's happening, this fruitfulness that's occurring in Jerusalem. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, one day, 
Philip hears the word of God say, Arise and go down south from Jerusalem to a place called Gaza. And he says, it's real funny, he says, this is desert. That's not necessarily a great thing that you would want to hear, right? Because he's in this place where he's enjoying fruitfulness of ministry. I mean, he's seeing fruit. There's things that are happening. And God says, okay, I want you to leave there and go travel down a desert road. Which probably meant, as we can see, he's going by himself. And it's desert, meaning it's dry, it's, it's parched. It's a 60, 50, 60 mile journey, roughly, from Jerusalem down to Gaza. So it's not an exciting mission. <laughs> but here's the point of this message really today, the heart that I want to convey behind this, the, the overarching lesson that I'm seeing right now, is Philip's instantaneous obedience. Philip's immediate obedience. And we're going to unpack this today. But I want to ask you the question before we dig in is, what, what is the level of your obedience with God? Okay, because I just have this sense that if you're like me, that there's points and times where you read this word and you hear this word, but you struggle to obey this word. Where you kind of like push back against God, you know. And look, it's reality. We are all probably going to respond in different ways in our life that way. Things are hard to hear. Things are hard to change. Things are hard to accept and do. Um, but look, I just got to level with you. There's really nothing good that comes from that. Yeah, I mean, I've often heard it said, and I really believe this, delayed obedience is no different than disobedience. Ouch. That's tough, right? And so... The idea is to cultivate a spirit in us that just hears and receives and obeys. God says it, I receive it, and I obey it. We don't, we don't push back against it. You know, we don't, we're not like really difficult for God to kind of use us. And what you're going to see as we read through this story, you can obviously already kind of tell, is that Philip's instant obedience really, there's a man's miracle on the other side of this. There, there is a man's coming to salvation experience on the other side of Philip's instant obedience. I mean, we just read it, and I don't recall, correct me if I'm wrong, I don't recall it saying, the angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, said, Arise, go down toward the south along the road, which goes from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is desert and then, Phil, and then Philip asked a thousand questions. <laughs> and then Philip negotiated with God. And then Philip struggled with what the Lord said and he missed his moment. He missed the opportunity. <laughs> Anybody out here today? Come on. I mean, I don't recall seeing that. And one of the things that jumps out immediately to me is that the Lord doesn't give him this novel I mean he doesn't unpack this gigantic plan from A to Z I mean if anything he gives him like the prelude in the book and not even the intro chapter or chapter one it's like you know read the introduction and then buy the book okay I mean I like to know a little bit more about it first I want before I commit to it you know I mean I want to know is it worth it but this anything that the Lord says like we got to get used to responding with whatever He gives us. Yeah, I just remind you, the, the Lord's never early, 
too early or too late, and he's never in too great a measure or too little of measure. So whatever God gives us, it is exactly the amount of clarity in the moment that the necessity of the hour requires. Isn't that powerful? I mean, and I think that's a place of faith we got to get to. I mean, I like it when he gives me the book. I do. Anybody else going to be honest? I mean, I like it when I get a whole lot to chew on. But Philip doesn't get that. He gets, leave this awesome place where awesome things are happening and start walking down a 60-mile desert road that's hot. It's not going to be fun. And just do it and go towards Gaza. He gets no more than that. But yet, it says... Let me just read this verse to you. Uh, So he arose and went. Wow. Can I just say, I think that might be one of the most powerful verses in Scripture I've read in a long time. So he arose and went. This word was good enough for Philip, man. This little piece of instruction was good enough for him. I mean, he, he didn't see desert. He didn't see dryness, meaning something that God wasn't going to do something in the midst of because God spoke something so he knew there was something waiting on that desert road that God was going to use him to do and he had no idea what it was but he didn't see desert he saw opportunity listen to this in Jeremiah chapter 17 kind of just build a position for this verse 5 it says cursed is man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength whose heart departs from the Lord So if you trust in man, not in God, your own strength, anything else, right? Listen. For he shall be like a shrub in the desert and shall not see when good comes. Keep that point in mind. Seeing when good comes. And he shall inhabit parched places in the wilderness in salt land which is not inhabited. However, here's now the contrast. Verse 7. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord whose hope is in the Lord. For he shall be like a tree planted by the waters, which spreads out its roots by the river, and does not fear when heat comes, but its leaf will be green, and it will not be anxious in the year of drought, nor will it cease from yielding fruit. So Philip doesn't see dry, barren, unproductive land, because he's heard from God. It says if we're trusting in man, then we don't see good when it comes. (laughs) Meaning the work God's up to. But when we're trusting in God and He speaks, we just see good. We see He's up to something. We see an opportunity for something significant to happen. And just so often in many moments, it's really on the other side of our obedient response to that. To that little step one, to that little prelude, Jen, that little opening intro in the message that gives you nothing more to go on except for, man, this is going to be good. And so I'm going to commit to this. I'm going to buy the book. I'm going to read the whole thing and see it through. Because that beginning, it caught my heart. And any time the Lord speaks to us, it ought to do that. In His Word, right? That, that Logos Word of God. And when He speaks to us by the Holy Spirit, that Rhema Word of God. Where He's speaking to our heart and giving us direction for our lives. It ought to grab us that way. Something very interesting, though, is that Philip, let's not overlook this, that he heard that, like he was predisposed, meaning he was in a position with God to actually hear him say that. And there's a lot of cases where the noise is so cluttered in people's lives that they didn't, they, well, did I hear something? Didn't even hear it. God spoke a gentle whisper, hey, go south to Gaza down a desert road. What? What happened? What? What? Oh, I got to get back to what I was doing. 
You know, it's like the noise in our lives can keep us from really even hearing those gentle promptings of the Holy Spirit. Like Philip was so sensitive and predisposed to be able to hear, like it cut through the fog and rang in his ear at the moment the Lord delivered that message. Oh my gosh, isn't that powerful? I mean, the Bible says, Jesus said, my sheep know my voice and they follow me. Wow. We just got to know the voice of God, which means you got to train your ear. And I'm not talking about your physical ear. I'm talking about the level of your spiritual sensitivity, your spiritual ear that's cultivated through intimacy and time in the word and prayer and worship with God that you can out of the fog of life recognize the ringing of God's gentle whisper in your life. Amen. So Philip responds to that. He gets just a little bit of direction. He starts heading down the desert road. And he's not, he's not hard to move. I think that's the thing that really sticks out to me, is that God was able to move him quickly and easily. And as we'll see in a moment, the work that God was really up to required him to be able to move someone quickly and easily to get him in position for this opportunity. But I know sometimes it's not like that for us. It's hard to move us. And Jeremiah speaks about a, an example where uh, the, God speaks to Jeremiah and says, come on down to the potter's house and I want to teach you a lesson. He says, I want you to watch the potter work with the clay. You see that the clay, it's very malleable in the potter's hand. It means it's pliable. It's easy to work with. It doesn't resist what the potter's trying to do so the potter can work with it. And I think sometimes we can be kind of like stiff, brittle pieces of clay. Hard to forcing the shape into position you know and we need to be that soft pliable like that's the picture i see of philip right here like sure god no problem yeah gaza desert whatever i'll go i heard you so i'm, I'm headed there and that way that we ought to be able to respond in our heart right i know when we go we go places like uh with our family and we'll go to you know events or functions family things and we're all having a great time and Man, when it's time to go, it's just like, oh, here we go. Okay, let's get the process started, right? Because it's, it's like, first you got to tell the kid. It's almost like this whole process that you go through. Like, first you let them know that it's coming, right? So that they're kind of like aware. Um, because if you just say, hey, we're leaving right now. Ah! Ah! I want to stay. I want to stay. But we're doing this later. Oh, we're about to do this. And I, said, I got six of them voices, you know? <laughs> And I mean, Katie, I mean, Katie, we got to like mount up, man. I mean, we got to like seriously put on battle armor when it's time to go somewhere. We know this. And, uh, and it's a process and it's, it's difficult. And, you know, we finally, at the end of everything, we leave like an hour, hour and a half after we start this process. No joke. This is like typical, right? We've adjusted. I mean, we know. But just once, just once. I just wonder if we say, hey, guys, we're going to go. We're ready, Mom and Dad, and we've got everything packed up, and we have all of our stuff. We're not missing any shoes or socks. All of our clothes are here. We'll meet you in the car. They're like, wow, that was easy. Oh, my gosh, can I just be honest for a second? I think sometimes the Lord is like, 
looking around. He's like, man, I got this guy that needs me, this guy that's searching for me right now, and I need, oh, man, they're, they're going to take an hour and a half to get him to go. They're, they're going to have to, they're going to fight me. And so he, like, who is available? Who can the Lord use, you know? Who's ready to hear the word of the Lord and respond without a bunch of fighting and pushback and, ah, my flesh, and just really go do what God is prompting us to do? Because his timing was so impeccable here. That's another thing that I pick up is that, you know, Philip comes along and he's walking on the desert road and along comes a chariot and the eunuch in the chariot and he's reading the book of Isaiah. And in the book that he's reading and the chapter that he's reading, it's speaking about a Messiah who would come. Oh, Listen to this. You think the timing of God isn't impeccable? Holy cow. I mean, boy, this just, tell, this just reminds me. Like Sometimes we think we have to work so hard to get people saved or like to help people see God. Like, when did we forget? Like Jesus said, I'll build my church. You know what I'm saying? Like, I just look at this. I'm like, wow, when God's doing it, like, man, there's just such a grace to it. Like, look at, the, look at the moment here that is set up for Philip. He's coming along this desert road. Remember, he's walking, and all he heard was go toward Gaza. And it says, when the eunuch comes riding along, which the eunuch, by the way, he is, they're from Ethiopia. Candace is the queen. That's just a name for a queen in Ethiopia. It's not a, a personal's, person's name. And he's in charge of the treasury. So he's a very high-ranking dude. And he's overseeing like the transfer of money. It says he's on his way back from Jerusalem where he went to worship. Now he's a non-Jew. So likely he wasn't allowed in the temple to worship. I mean he was probably set out and kept away from a lot of the things that the Jews were enjoying. But somewhere along the line he had been proselytized. Or Candace had been proselytized. Meaning they'd been converted to Judaism. And so he was searching. He was seeking. He was trying to figure out what this was all about and as we can clearly see he didn't know he was seeking but he hadn't found <laughs> in between the seeking and the finding right here comes philip Woo! here comes philip walking down the desert road and as he's walking and here comes the chariot of the eunuch and i mean he's it's probably this real fancy chariot you know it's probably got like jacked up with big mutters on it and tires <laughs> i mean it's he's probably got heated seats i mean all the fancy bells and whistles you know because he's in charge of the treasury and uh and along comes philip and it says the spirit of the lord said to him go overtake the chariot do you see this do you see this step one was given back in jerusalem step two was given while he was on the desert road headed in a place of obedience walking in a place of full obedience so step two came after step one and I have found in my life that more of the direction and leading of God works this way it relies on my step-by-step -step obedience to whatever he's saying in whatever moment he's saying it and not fighting that or not questioning that I know a lot of times we we read this and we'll hear the word of God and we'll hear it. And, you know, maybe the Lord's saying, hey, be pure in your relationships. You know, obey my word with how I'm calling you to walk out relationships early in your life. Or, hey, 
Be honest in all your dealings, in your business affairs, and in your, your interaction with other people. And we'll hear these things, and so this picture of like we fight the Lord, right? But then we, we don't operate that way. And so we've heard that, but somewhere along the line, we didn't fully surrender to that and obey to that. And then we get down the road and we start praying for, man, this relationship's falling apart or this thing's falling apart. God, help me. God, intervene. And I think sometimes God's like, man, I sowed seed for that a long time ago. Like I gave you a word for that a year ago. Remember that? Be pure, be honest, do this, do that. And like you fought me and you didn't really obey that. Like, can I just remind you of what I already said? That's, I think, so many times what happens when we get in our own way. And that's why I'm trying to help us see like a spirit of instant obedience. I mean, a heart that hears the word of God and surrenders to that and obeys and says, look, this is my ultimate authority. I'm not saying it's always going to be easy or comfortable, but I'm just saying, man, when you hear it, there's really nothing good that's going to come from not obeying it. There's really nothing fruitful and prosperous on your, in your way that's going to happen if you, uh, if you don't continue down that path that you're hearing. And so there's this awesome situation where there's this great timing and uh, Philip comes alongside of him and he, and he steps up and the man says he asks for help. And so Philip begins to just preach the gospel to him. Christ crucified. Hey, this, this guy that you're reading about right here in these five verses of these entire scriptures and scrolls that you could possibly be reading in at this very moment, this guy, this is Jesus. And he suffered and died on the cross not so long ago and was risen from the dead and it's through his blood that is atonement for your sin. And the eunuch says, I've heard it. I have heard it. He says, stop the chariot. There's water over there. Can I remind you it was a desert road? Yeah. Right? Huh? He says, there's water over there. Can I be baptized? Philip says, if you believe with all your heart, there's nothing keeping you from it. And they get out of the chariot. They go over. Philip baptizes him. And it says that after that was done, Philip was caught away in the spirit. From every implication and every study of this passage in Scripture, it seems very clear that this was a supernatural teleportation. That literally the Spirit of God transported Philip back to the place, up to the place where he was headed. And then he was seen there ministering in other places. And it says the eunuch didn't see him anymore. But he went away rejoicing. It was a small assignment. It was a tight little mission in Philip's life. It wasn't this delayed, long season or anything like that. Changed the eunuch's life forever. He went away rejoicing. That tells me that he, he began to live the life that God had created him to live. And we're probably going to see him in heaven when we get there. Hallelujah for that. But you know the thing that just screams at me the most in all this. Is that all that happened on the other side of Philip's instant obedience. Him just hearing the word of God responding and obeying, not fighting it, not, not, you know, trying to resist it, waiting to, you know, when is this going to be convenient for me to do? It comes along in that moment and everything changes for this eunuch. And it says he stops the chariot, gets out and baptized, gets baptized. He's, he's headed in a direction, like it's an important mission. You don't stop a chariot when you're carrying the queen's treasury. 
You understand? I mean, you don't do that. That's too risky. Why is that significant? Because I think that we need to recognize that when we hear the word of the Lord, when things happen, sometimes there's points in our life where we need to have a stop the chariot moment. Where whatever our agenda was, whatever was going on, whatever we're, we were up to, that was maybe a part of our plan, but now a new plan just came on the scene and it's God's plan that it can interrupt everything and put everything else on hold or on the back burner or just kind of take a lesser priority than whatever it is God is wanting to do here and in the moment. Folks, we have to become sensitive and recognize when God is up to something. When God is moving, the gentle promptings of the work of His hand, of the setting of the stage, of the whisper of His voice, we're real sensitive, and we got to dial in in those moments. we got to dial in, and we better be willing to stop the chariot and be willing to respond quickly and have a spirit of obedience and let Lord do what the Lord wants to do because something absolutely miraculous may be waiting on the other side. Hallelujah. Can we give God praise for that? Just a minute. I love the length that God is willing to go to to get to this eunuch. He'll move heaven and earth for you and me too. Can I tell you that? Look at all he's willing to do to get somebody on a desert road at a specific moment when a heart is cracked and open to receive. Man, he goes to some great lengths, but he had the right person to work with. He had the right guy that he could get in the right position, no questions asked, no fighting and screaming and crying and yelling. Hey, I need you to move and I need you to move quick. And boom, he's right where he needs to be as soon as the chariot comes along, and then the Lord says, okay, now you're ready for step two. Now I can speak to you about what's next from here. Notice he didn't give him all that in the beginning. He didn't say, at mile marker 35, on this desert road, a beautiful chariot will start to approach, and a man will be reading out of chapter 50 and Isaiah, and you will then overtake the chariot. I mean, we like that, but it's too much for us to handle. Can I just say that? Like, God will not give you more than you can handle, and He knows that. And so many times what we want is beyond what we can really handle or process. We need faith for the moment. Trust with little, trusted with much. God's like, just, just obey the first thing I say. Just be pure. Just be honest. Just walk down a desert road when I tell you to, and we'll get to the rest of this stuff. You know what I mean? And So I love this. And then Philip, he does his thing, and then he's carried away. Later on, we see Philip again in Acts chapter 21 and this time it's Apostle Paul coming to stay with him in his home and this is what I love about what it says it doesn't say a whole lot about Philip it just says that Philip that Paul came and stayed and the, and the brethren came and stayed with Philip this was in Caesarea it was an awesome city port by the Mediterranean Sea we were there when we were in Israel beautiful place and so Philip evangelized over this whole region and he ended up landing evidently in Caesarea and settling in there it says when Paul shows up and the brethren they come and stay with Philip and it says that it's Philip the evangelist which he was evidently marked by continued works that flowed out of the same kind of thing that we already saw in this one little story however many years were in between these two things 
says that Philip the evangelist, get this, and with his four daughters who prophesied. Hmm. Nothing in Scripture is there by mistake. Four daughters who prophesied. Spiritual gift, an anointing of God, supernatural type of impartation. That's something that was cultivated. That's something that was stirred up, that was contended for. I am convinced that Philip helped to raise his four daughters up to be prophetesses who were evidently imparting and edifying the church and the body of Christ there in Caesarea in a strong way. And the Lord saw fit to at least just mention that to us in these verses in Acts chapter 21. Wow, Philip. What is Philip known for? In, in my mind, and all these things that I see, certainly a great man, a lot of things. But I think this instant obedience, this quick response to obey the word of God. Again, delayed obedience is no different than disobedience. And his quick response to hear and to act and to move in faith, to trust God is up to something good. I don't know what it is, but I see God's in this thing, and so there's only good on the other side of it. I just need to be obedient. I need to be faithful. And he moves out, and we see this awesome story unfold. And so I just close by asking you today, as I did in the beginning, where is the level of your obedience? What kind of clay are you? You know, our kids, they have, we get Play-Doh like all the time, right? I mean, you just get this, like life, it feels like a lifetime supply of Play-Doh. <laughs> nobody ever wants to throw it away. They just bag it up and put it in there and you know, it gets real hard and dry and you break it out and you're like, why do we have this? Like there's fresh Play-Doh up there, easy, pliable to work with. That's the kind of Play-Doh I want. I mean, it's hard, crusty stuff, you know? Can't do anything with that. You're not going to make a masterpiece with that. <clears throat> How pliable are we? I mean, are we like the clay in the potter's hand that Jeremiah was petitioned by God to go down and watch and, and bear witness to to get a vision of how we need to be in our life with God? Are we like that? Are we quick to respond? Are we quick to obey? Or is there a fight in us, you know, against what God is saying and what he's trying to do? Because it's reality and it does happen and people do respond that way. But ultimately... In all my years of pastoring people, I have never seen anything but heartache, disappointment, and frustration that result from that. And eventually, the person, and me included, because I've been there too, you, you always come back around to the point where you still have to obey <laughs> what's been said. You know what I'm saying? It's like all this time and you're like, oh, back here again. I should have known. Yeah, you should have. No, I mean, you know, it's like... And, and we end up back around to this point. But if we're, oh, I heard it, I obey. I heard it, I obey. I heard it, I obey. It's like, then you just kind of are walking in this nice, gentle rhythm of grace in your life where the Lord's like, I can move this person. I can use this person. And we will see some pretty spectacular things. And again, I don't think it was really about Philip. I mean, we see a lot of stuff in this story about him and his condition and his situation, but I don't think it was really about Philip at all. I think it was about this hungry heart, this non-Jew that's seeking, asking, and knocking 
for the living God. And God is saying, hey, I, when somebody asks, it's open. When somebody seeks, they find. And when somebody, uh, and when somebody uh, seeks, I did that last week, seeks, <laughs> find. And somebody asks, I answer. Uh, and so you're going to be a part of that. I don't think it was really about Philip at all. I think it was about this hungry heart. It was about this man who had a divine appointment with God that he didn't even know about. And God was just going to use Philip in that story. Man, how many people in their story does God want to move you in position? Get you on that mile marker 33 of that desert road so that you're in the right place at the right time when the right situation comes rolling along and God says, I've got my warrior here. I've got my soldier. He, she is mounted up, got their armor on, filled with faith ready to obey and respond. The timing is right. The stage is set. And somebody's getting ready for a miracle. Amen? Amen. 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 Would you stand to your feet with me today?